do give thanks to you because yes, Lord. your love is good and it endures forever. Yes, Father. You are good, Lord. God, I lift up our time today, God. I, I pray, Father, that we would have hearts of good soil, Lord. Yes, God. Father, that the enemy would not snatch out, God, what you mm. desire to implant within us, Lord. Yes, Lord. That we would be quick to respond, Father. That we would be humble, that we would repent, God. That we would move forward, Lord. God, I pray for anyone that mm. would come here today, Father, that doesn't know you. I pray yes, that today would Lord. be the day of their salvation, God. Praise that chains God. would fall, Father. That scales would fall from the eyes, God. That people would live a new life, Father. I pray that you would strengthen this fellowship, Father. For the times that are ahead, God, as the world continues to crumble all around us, God. I pray that we would cling to the rock that is our salvation, Father. I pray, God, that there would never be, Father, a watered-down gospel to be heard here or to be preached here or to be shared with one another, Father. I pray, God, that we would hold one another accountable to the truth of your word, Lord. I lift up Rob as he shares this morning, Father. Amen. You would strengthen your servant in the name of Jesus, that you would touch him, that you would heal him, Father, that you would provide for him, Lord, that you would give him peace of mind and peace of heart, God, that he, there would be no hindrances to the your word coming forth today, God, that there would be a ripe harvest of souls because your word says that it never comes back void. So we claim that today in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship our King. Amen.
soil. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us, that you would bring conviction where conviction is needed. Pray, God, that you would awaken us, Lord. God, that we would not grow weary in doing good, but, Father, that we would seek God to to honor Christ and all that we say and do. 
have your way among us and in us and through us. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Application. Sustained effort, hard work. Again, it's from the root word apply. To give one's full attention to a task to work hard. And as we've heard for 11 months now, applying the Bible is the duty of all Christians. Not just some, but all. If we don't apply it, the Bible becomes nothing more to us than a normal book and a practical collection of old manuscripts. That's why Paul says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. When we apply the Bible, God himself will be with us. This is the promise that we have. The degree to which we study, memorize, and meditate on God's word is the degree to which we understand how it applies to our lives. But understanding the word is not enough. We must actually apply it. Application implies action. And obedient action is the final step in causing God's word to come to life in our lives. The application of Scripture enforces and further enlightens our study, and it also serves to sharpen our discernment, discernment, helping us better distinguish between good and evil. Eleven months now, and I keep encouraging us and keep reminding us of application, how vital it is for a Christian to apply truth. Is Christ the center of your Christianity, of what you are calling Christianity, of your faith? Or do you just have a form of religion that you just slap Christ's name on? Oh, we have to wake up, church. The Bible warns us that in the last days, before the return of Christ, that the, de- the spirit of deception is going to rise like we've never seen it before on this earth. I mean, I've just spent three weeks of three weeks ago walking through the end times and Jesus' words and what the Bible tells us that the signs of the times would be. No one knows the day, no one knows the hours, but we can definitely discern the times. And there's that word, discernment. Applying the word. If we're just hearers of the word and not applying the word, then we truly aren't Christians. We just have a form of religion that we have created and we're still lulled asleep and we're still blinded by the enemy and yet we're held accountable for what we're doing. As I've said over the past week, people, when you talk about the Word of God, a lot of times you would hear people push back on you and say, well, men wrote that book. And I'd encourage you in, 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 in trying to really help you understand that you can help others understand that men wouldn't write this book. Men penned it, but they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Because men, in and of ourselves, the created being, would never put a book together that exposes our wickedness, our pride, our arrogance. We never would do that. We would never write intentionally a book that would point us to a God that then 
holds us accountable to our sinful nature because we're in rebellion towards Him. Men wouldn't pin that. Because in and of our nature, this nature that we're all born into, we are in rebellion towards a holy God. And as we've heard over the time that we've been together, and as you read your Bible, we understand that God's will is to have a people that He will call His own, and in return they will call Him their God. From Genesis to Revelation, God's purpose, God's plan. That is His intent. And nothing's going to thwart that plan. God will have a people that belong to Him. And those who are in Christ, we are the people of God. And we are to be doing the will of God for the glory of God. Again, Jesus came. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave up his one and only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus says, I didn't come into this world to judge the world, but I came to save the world. Because the world already stands condemned. He already understood what was coming for us. His wrath. His wrath. But because of God's love, God gave His one and only Son. Jesus took what we deserved. Jesus left his throne to come down and stoop down into our mess. To deliver us. To reconcile us back to a holy God. You can't make this up. It's God's story. It's God's plan. It's God's purpose. So application is vital, you all. Application is vital, and I keep saying, you've probably heard me say this over the past few months, you just can't get up and just flop out of bed and go, poof, I'm a Christian. There's a way in which you ought to be living now. If you're truly saved, if you've truly been born again of the Spirit, there's a way in which you are called to live. And it's a daily lifestyle. It's not a one-time little prayer. It's not when you feel like you want to be close to Jesus. It's not when I'll do religious works today. No, it's a lifestyle of who you are because what He has accomplished for you. Because your eyes have been opened. You're no longer bound to darkness You're no longer bound to yourself until that that junk that your flesh is that's in rebellion towards a holy God. No, you've been set free. And when the people are liberated, when you truly understand freedom, like you're not going to be so easily to dismiss it and to turn to other temporal things that aren't even lasting. Again, I keep telling you, It's all dust, because this is what the Bible tells us. Everything temporal that we're putting our hopes, your flesh craves and desires and wants, rather it's people, places, or things, it's all dust. 
That's all your flesh knows. And that is whom you're given the right to rule you? Your flesh? But apart from your eyes being open, you can't see anything else because you're so bound by the temporal. And then the Bible says that you're blinded by this realm here by the enemy. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with rules and principalities in the air and the darkness. And then you have this world system. Though I love nothing more than keep presenting you distractions. So again, we've heard this. This realm, this realm, and your flesh, and they want your soul. They're out to devour you. They're out to destroy you. But God steps in, reveals himself to you through his son Jesus. Knowing good and well that we have been given a distorted view of who he is. And he wants to reveal himself to us so that we won't mistake who he is. That when the enemy comes in to challenge his character or what he's done in your life, you're able to stand. When the world wants to present him one way, you can say, oh no, (laughs) I know him and that's not his ways. When your flesh wants to become so religious that you don't mind defaming his name, You don't mind making his blood common, but the Holy Spirit within you will awaken you and bring conviction to you. You better stop playing around because I'm a holy God. Application, you all. The enemy. You realize comes and he twists so deceive he doesn't mind you having your little religion that doesn't bother him in fact he'll give it to you he knows a good sermon or two to teach you he can lead you down the wrong way and all along thinking you're in the right way do you understand what you're up against and you just want to flop out of bed get to church when you can be in fellowship when it feels right for you, when, it, when your schedule deems fit. Like, I don't know what we've turned Christianity to be, but we got to wake up because this ain't the hour of the day to keep playing church as church has been played over the years. Because it's getting darker. And we're to be growing brighter. He's cunning, he's crafty, and yet he's a liar. And he deceives, and he devours. But he cannot touch those who are truly born again. Amen. Because the Bible says if you submit yourself to God, resist the enemy, he has to flee. He has no right and no authority over you any longer. And yet too many of us are still playing with him. Too many of us are still opening up doors. 
through thought patterns, through words, through actions, through secret desires, secret wants. And we have to wake up. We have to wake up. But aren't you going to give us a Thanksgiving message? Oh yeah, this is a Thanksgiving message. Because the message is today, how do you cultivate a heart of gratitude? You know, I said a couple of weeks ago, if you're having problems with application, applying God's word, the problem then is you have no confidence in God. You lack confidence in God. You're not intimately acquainted with the one who has called you out, who has purchased you, who has engrafted you into his family, who has given you a new identity. You're no longer broken, you're whole. You're coming out of a place of victory. And the newness of life, this newness of life that you're born into, listen, you all, it doesn't want your old life. And that's why the Bible says that your flesh and your spirit, they war against each other because they can't stand each other because they will never mix. The problem is, (laughs) when our lives in Christ become not what we truly desire. Because we long for what's behind us greater than what's ahead of us. And how can that be? How can that be? That's why the book of James tells us you can't look intently into the mirror and then turn away and forget what you look like. No, you look intently in the mirror and you remember whom you belong to, who you are now, how you should be living so that you can daily throughout the day, every day, put into practice truth. Because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. You don't trade your freedom. You don't, actually we were praying this morning, you don't give up your birthright for a little bowl of beans. Just to satisfy a temporal desire. Well, if I could just touch it, if I could just have that. Really, what is the problem? Oh, there's a big problem. You. You're in the way of what God wants to do in and through you because you've been purposed, you all. You've been purposed. So you must know your God. You must love your God with all of your being. You must cultivate that heart of gratitude daily. You must be intimately acquainted With who he is. Because in your flesh, you're intimately acquainted with others. Heck, you're even intimately acquainted with objects. How many of you sat in your chair today and gave thought, is it going to hold me? Oh no, you expected the chair to do what the chair does. You gave no thought to it. You got in your car today. You expect it to get from point A to point B because you're intimately acquainted with how it goes. You're in relationships with people. You know these people. You trust these people. But listen, 
The chair can break, the car cannot start, and the people can harm you and wound you. And yet you will put your soul value in temporal things. And you will pursue them. And yet when it comes to the things of God, we're flippant. Well, He loves me. And we're just so flippant. Well, if I can get to it. We're just so flippant about our relationship with Him. And, And somehow we think He's okay with it. Somehow we think that stripping Jesus down and making him common, that God is okay with it. And it's, he's not. Your life in Christ now, the Bible says that he's making his appeal through you to others. I told you, your Christian life and what God is doing in your life is not for you. It's for Him. It's for His purpose. It's for His kingdom. It's not to pay your rent. It's not to meet your temporal needs. Though He does, He's a gracious God. But maybe He calls you to a life of suffering. I posted about this young man and this man over in Laos. He's given his life to Christ. He's being persecuted. He's being mocked. The Buddhist leaders there, they're torturing him. They're demanding him to come back into Buddhism. And they mock him because, look, your God doesn't even provide for you. And I love his answers to them. He's already provided. I've got all I need through my Savior, Jesus. And half of us can't even get up out of bed to get to church. Amongst fellowship. Half of us don't even spend time during the week in the Bible. Praying. And putting things into practice. Because we've been so conditioned. By the enemy of your soul. Don't take it so serious. And he'll even use this. And you know you've fallen for a lie when you think God loves you, mm. gives you the right to keep living how you want. Amen. <laughs> because if you truly understand God's love, you won't keep pursuing yourself. Yes, yes God does love us. But let's not forget what He did because of His love. Mm. He gave His one and only Son. He knew our condition. And so, for us then to take Christianity and to make it this weak-willed religion, God help us. God help us. It's because of His love that we have full assurance of who He is and we can praise Him. We can have gratitude because the more you know Him, see, you should hunger for the things of God. Because the more that you get to know Him, the more that He is revealing Himself, the more that you're putting into practice and this new nature, this spirit-filled life, this life that only Christ can produce within us when we are born again begins to come forth. Oh, there's a hunger that takes place. 
There's a thirst that takes place for the things of God. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but it does mean you're going to be maturing. Because if you do decide to look back, if you do decide to touch, if you do decide to eat that or, or to partake of whatever, the Holy Spirit's going to be quick to say that is not who you are any longer. And then how do we then do we engage? Not beating ourselves up, but just repent. And then get up and begin to praise God. Begin up, get up and begin to thank God. Get up and begin to know your God. Amen. Live for your God. Be empowered by your God to do His will. Because Jesus, as I said a few weeks ago, Jesus, it, 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 it was, it, His intent was to come and to save people. Yes. Well, guess what your intent is every day when you get up as an ambassador of Christ? is to go forth and to tell others about Jesus. He's making his appeal through us. We are to be out there sharing the gospel, calling people to be reconciled back to their God through Christ. This is the hope that we have. We live differently. We're honoring Christ. We're growing, we're maturing. I want you to go to Psalm 78. Carrie, this isn't in the note, so if you add Psalm 78. <laughs> this is a psalmist. The psalm of Asaph. He penned this psalm. And it's to reveal the gratitude that he has for God. And yet when I read it, I want you to be honest with yourself. How are you hearing it? And we're going to discuss it after we read it. Oh, my people, the psalmist begins, listen to my instructions. Open your eyes to what I am saying. For I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past. Stories we have heard and known. Stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord. About His power and His Mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them. Even the children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children. So, listen to this. Each generation should set its hope anew on God. Not forgetting His glorious miracles and obeying His commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts 
to God. The warriors of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned their backs and fled on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by his instructions. They forgot what he had done, the great wonders he had shown them, the miracles he did for their ancestors on the plains of Zoan, Zion and the land of Egypt. For he divided the sea and led them through, making the waters stand up like walls. In the daytime he led them by a cloud and all night by a pillar of fire. He split open the rocks in the wilderness to give them water as from a gushing spring. He made streams pour from the rock, making the waters flow down like a river. Yet they kept on sinning against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They stubbornly tested God in their hearts, demanding the foods they craved. They even spoke against him. They even spoke against God himself, saying, God can't give us food in the wilderness. Yes, he can strike a rock so water gushes out, but he can't give his people bread and meat. When the Lord heard them, he was furious. The fire of his wrath burned against Jacob, yet Yes, his anger rose against Israel, for they did not believe God or trust him to care for them. But he commanded the skies to open. He opened the doors of heaven. He rained down manna for them to eat. He gave them bread from heaven. They ate the food of angels. God gave them all they could hold. He released the east wind in the heavens and guided the south wind by his mighty power. He rained down meat as thick as dust, birds as plentiful as the sand on the seashore. He caused the birds to fall within their camp and all around their tents. The people ate their fill. He gave them what they craved, but... Before they satisfied their craving, while the meat, come on, was yet in their mouths, the anger of God rose against them and he killed their strongest men. He struck down the finest of Israel's young men. But in spite of this, the people kept sinning. Despite his wonders, they refused to trust him. So he ended their lives in failure, the years in terror. When God began killing them, they finally sought him. They repented and took God seriously. Then they remembered that God was their rock. The God most high was their redeemer. But all they gave him was lip service. They lied to him with their own tongues. Their hearts were not loyal to him. They did not keep his covenant. Yet his, whew, yet he was merciful. And forgave their sins, and he did not destroy them at all. Many times he held back his anger and did not unleash his fury. For he remembered, oh God, hear this, that they were merely mortal, gone like a breath of wind that never returns. Oh, how often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved his heart in that dry wasteland. 
Again and again, they tested God's patience and provoked the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power and how he rescued them from their enemies. They did not remember how miraculous his miraculous signs in Egypt, his wonders on the plain of Zion. Zion. He, for he turned their rivers into blood so no one could drink from the streams. He sent vast swarms of flies to consume them and hordes of frogs to ruin them. He gave their crops to caterpillars. Their harvest was consumed by locusts. He destroyed their grapevines with hail and shattered their sycamore figs with sleet. He abandoned their cattle to the hail, their livestock to bolts of lightning. He loosed on them the fierce anger of his fury, rage, and hostility. He dispatched against them a band of destroying angels. He turned his anger oh, towards, he turned his anger against them. He did not spare the Egyptians' lives, but ravaged them with the plague. He killed the oldest son in the Egyptian family. The flower of youth throughout the land of Egypt, but he led his own people like a flock of sheep, guiding them safely through the wilderness. He kept them safe so they were not afraid, but the sea covered their enemies. He brought them to the border of his holy land, to this land of hills he had won for them. He drove out the nations before them. He gave them their inheritance by lot. He settled the tribes of Israel into their own, into their houses. But... They kept testing and rebelling against God, Most High. They did not obey His laws. They turned back and were as faithless as their parents. They were as undependable as a crooked bow. They angered God by building shrines to other gods. They made Him jealous with their idols. When God heard them, He was very angry and He completely rejected Israel. Then he abandoned his dwelling at Shiloh, the tabernacle where he had lived among the people. He allowed the ark of his might to be captured. He surrendered, my God, his glory into enemy hands. He gave his people over to be butchered by the sword because he was so angry with his own people, his special possession. Their young men were killed by fire. Their young women died before singing their wedding songs. Their priests were slaughtered and their widows could not mourn their deaths. Then the Lord rose up as though waking from a sleep, like a warrior aroused from a drunken stupor. He routed his enemies and sent them to eternal shame. But he rejected Joseph's descendants. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim. He chose instead the tribe of Judah. And Mount Zion, which he loved. Then he built his sanctuary as high as the heavens, as solid and enduring as the earth. He chose his servant David, calling him from the sheep pens. He took David from tending the ooze and lambs and made him the shepherd of Jacob's descendants, God's own people Israel. He cared for them with a true heart and led them with skillful hands. The psalmist penned this. It's a psalm of gratitude. You say, what? Remember, I asked you, as you hear it read, as you were reading along, what were your thoughts? A lot of people read that and they blame God. They're, oh, God's so bad. 
God so bad? Why is God angry? Why would God do that? And do you see that's your flesh? Do you not see that this beautiful psalm that was penned is revealing your badness? You're the one rejecting God. You're the one. After all that he continues to do to reveal himself to you, you reject him. He's not enough. And then you're mouthy towards him. Well, fine, you gave us water, but you can't even give us food. You paid my rent this month, but what about my electric bill? What about this? I got this cramp. I got this ache. I got this anxious thought. My mind's running amok. Well, you can fix that and this, but you can't do anything with that. And all of a sudden, we're just boasting. We're just, just pushing back on him. And somehow we think it's okay because Jesus came. Because surely he's still not this God that we read about in the Old Testament. You know, that's a lie from the enemy. Shh, shh. He's lulling the church asleep. Shh. And he's using Christ and the image of Christ to deceive people. You better open your Bibles. We're told in the New Testament, there's a reason why you have the Old Testament. And yet we have pastors today that tell you, don't even go to the Old Testament. Don't even read Paul's writings. (laughs) You know, they're deconstructing the faith. They're cheapening Christianity. Shh. Sleep. But oh God. You see, the New Testament tells us it's better to be under the old covenant, which just read (laughs) then to be under the new covenant which now the three witnesses that stand against you is not others who are around you like it was in the old testament they just needed three witnesses to stone you oh no the three that stand against you under the new covenant the father the son and the holy ghost and you want to play church You want to go on with how you want to live your life? Talk about Jesus among others. And yet they see within you not an ounce of Jesus. Not even a reflection of Christ. We got to wake up, church. We got to wake up. We got to wake up. My heart is broken for Hans, this young man who was out on the streets of America. Just inviting people to come to church. Sharing the gospel. And they came up behind him after they mocked him and laughed at him and shot him in the head. He's fighting for his life. And we can barely get to church. We can barely even make it to prayer. We can barely put anything into practice because we keep serving these little gods. And we're neglecting the God. And somehow we keep thinking, oh, he gave Jesus. And so now it's just this weird hugs and muffin, all is well, all is right with the world. Yeah, that's of the devil. Gratitude, though, is warfare. 
I'm all for little gratitude journals. Tell the truth, Carrie. Right. Yes, draw your little flowers and your five little gratitude statements. That's cute. That's cute. And if that's where you need to start, start there. But honey, if that's where you're remaining, you're asleep. You're no different than a loss. The new age that does it. No, you got to awaken the truth that gratitude is warfare. Because the devil don't want to hear your praise. The devil don't want to hear you shouting out and spouting out how great God is and what God has done. Nor does your flesh, nor does the world. But you want to know what true gratitude is, true thankfulness is? It's warfare. Mm -hmm. So on this week, as we look forward to celebrating Thanksgiving, we as Christians understand that it's every day. And it's not just a little flowery notebook that we color because it helps us with our anxiety. Oh, no, it's warfare. You get up, and I'm not mocking because I've been there. That's how I started. What I'm grateful for, what I'm grateful for, what I'm grateful for. But then as I begin to mature, I'm like, what is this? Once you begin to know him and who he is, so you just begin to stand up. You know, it's been a rough week. It's been a crazy week. Everything on every side of me is screaming. So all I had to say this week throughout my time, I, for weeks and months and years, I've been saying, Lord, just protect my heart. Lord, just guard my heart. God, just do my heart. No, no, this week I found it different. I found it different. I said, Lord, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he rose from the dead. This is my belief. This is my confession. This is what marks me now because I'm a child of God. Yes. And so I will not fear. I will stand and I will see the goodness of the Lord of the land of the living because my God is victorious. He's on the throne. And it doesn't matter what happens here. It doesn't matter if my job is taken away. It doesn't matter that all this chaos is, I mean, it's just crazy stuff going on in the world and in ministry. (laughs) But what do I know to be true? Yes. Jesus Christ, you are the son of the living God. Yes. And you rose from the dead. I don't know what truth you're speaking. I don't know how you're praising him. I don't know what you're giving thanks for throughout the day. But you've heard me say it over and over and over. You ought to be preaching yourself happy. You ought to be the best preacher you know. You ought to be the best preacher you know. Instead of down in a corner instead of in bed with the covers over your head instead of just mouthing off with people who just want to go along with your mouthing off because that's just how they are that's just who they are listen we got to start standing up it's like I love the post that I posted today you ought to start having conversations with warriors Just keep hanging out with victims. Just hanging out with people who have no understanding of what it is for victory. Because we're comfortable staying down in our flesh, yoked to this world, and allowing the enemy to wreak havoc over our lives. But someone's got to stand up. Someone's got to say something. Someone should be you. There's a dying world out there. And if we're the people of God, 
who should be doing the will of God for the glory of God, we should be out there, not acting a nut and a fool. Because that's what the enemy does. Remember I told you the example the Bible gave us? Remember? Paul? Remember? Going through, he's declaring the gospel, and all of a sudden this woman shows up on the scene. You would think, from what she's saying, that she must be a strong evangelist. No, she was full of the devil. Remember, she kept telling the city, these are the men of the Most High God. These are the men of the Most High God. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to what they're saying. These are the men of the Most High God. These are the men of the Most High God. And Paul says, shut up! And come out of her. Make it a mockery. So we're not going out there making acting a fool. Again, the devil doesn't mind. This is what you're up against. And you just want me to just give you a nice little message that tickles your ears, makes you feel better about yourself. <laughs> but I know the war that's engaged and raging out there against your soul. Because it's raging against mine. I know this realm here that will love nothing more than to snuff you out. And I know this very realm of the flesh that wants nothing more than to drag you back. But the victory is found in Christ and Christ alone. So you ought to give thanks. Amen. You ought to give thanks daily. And you probably say, well, what if I don't have it in me? What if I just want to keep doing what I'm doing and living how I live it? I heard all this truth, but heck, I want to spin, I want to live life to the fullest. It's my life. Do what I want. Well, then so be it. God loves you enough to say, here, 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 go. Which brings me to Luke. It's not in the scriptures, Carrie, but go there. Luke chapter 15. Add them for me. Verse 11 through 24. It's a parable we've heard many a times. But I want you to see something today that maybe you haven't seen before. It's a parable of the lost son. Luke chapter 15. Verse 11 through 24. Now let's not forget who's telling the parable. Jesus. <laughs> to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And then he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Oh, be careful, you all, what you demand of God. 
Give me my inheritance now and live however I want. I don't need you. And isn't it interesting he moved far away from the Father? It's no different from us. We take, we take, and we go so far from God. And it always ends up just the same for each of us. We're so far gone. This was a Jewish boy, don't forget. And now he's with the pigs, eating and feasting off their slop. And no one's helping him. No one. But while he was there, and this is my encouragement for you, Again, there's some here that are following Christ wholeheartedly, praise be the Lord. But unfortunately, the majority of of us probably aren't. We name him by name, but we deny him by the way we're living. Thinking, somehow, we're in right standing. I've always told you the greatest deception is not that you deceived others. It's that you deceived yourself into thinking that you're saved and you're not. This young man went and run amok. But when he finally came to his senses, verse 17, he said to himself, At home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. I want you to focus right there on that portion of Scripture. Do you see it? You should see the Father's heart. You don't see the son wrestling with the thought that his father would reject him. Even if I'm to be a a servant in your household. Father, I'm sorry for what I've done. You see, he knew his father's character. Come on, you all. Mm. He knew his father's character. As David knew God. David did some horrible sins. But yet he's the same king, he's the same man that the Bible says has a heart towards God. He's the same man that cried out against you and you alone have I sinned. Search me, O God. In another area he cries out. Test me. See if there's any wicked way within me. Because he knew his God. He would rather fall into the hands of his God than of his enemy. Because he knew his God. This young man knew the character of his father. That when he came to the end of himself, He knew where he had to go. Back to the Father. And I'm not demanding my rights to be even placed back in sonship with him. If I just become a servant in my father's house, I'm better off. I will go to my father. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. 
And while he was still long off, his father saw him coming. And listen, here's the heart of the father. This is why Jesus is telling the parable. From the distance, the father sees the son returning. And as I've shared with you and I've preached on this before, the father's not standing there with his arms folded, tapping his feet, going, look at this punk coming back. There's no good for nothing. Ba 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 He wasted all of his money. How dare he returns to my house? No, no, no. You don't see that. And yet that's how a lot of us think of God. That's how a lot of us perceive God. Because we get so fixated on what we read in Psalm 78 that that must be how God is. And we miss the part that what aroused him to be a God of justice, a God of wrath, was his people rejected him. He is a God of love, but he's also a God of wrath. He doesn't shift and turn and move and do like men does. And we're here today and go, no, no, he's consistent with who, who he is. The father sees his son. And listen to how he's described. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. Embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his servants, Oh God, quick, bring the finest robe in the house. And put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf. We have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead. And has now returned to life. He was lost. But now he's found. So the party began. Did you see this? And why do you think the Bible says when one sinner repents, all of heaven rejoices? Because they know what we're up against. Those angels still up there, they're looking, they know what we're up against. And when they see one of us recognize like, oh God, I'm a sinner. Look at the mess I've made. God, I'm sorry. God, I believe that you sent Jesus. God, he's the son of God and he rose from the dead. That through him I can have right standing with you. That I can be born again of a new nature. Do you know all of heaven rejoices? Everything is against you. Look at the Father's love. They're not celebrating you. They're celebrating him. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His faithful love endures forever. Gratitude, you all. The party began. The feast began. He was restored. Listen, y'all, this is what He does for us. This is how we're to be living. This is how we're to be 
navigating through life. If you're truly a Christian, if you're not, then it's you who's hardening your heart towards God. It's not God stiff-arming you. It's you choosing to stiff-arm God. It's you pretending like you have salvation in reality. You don't. I mean, again, there's going to be people who stand before him, well, didn't we do this and didn't we do that? See, it's all about them. And then Jesus says, I don't know you. You worker of sin. I don't know you. So which God have you served this week? The true God or the little gods that are out there? Who has your attention? Who are you intimate with? Because if you're not cultivating a heart of gratitude, as I told you over the past weeks, oh, Jesus is intimately acquainted with you. He knows if you're either entering in or he's banishing you to hell. That's how intimately he knows you already. And yet his will is that none shall perish. His will is that you would turn and receive this free gift that only God can offer. And the world hates it. The world system hates it. People hate Jesus. Talk about God, talk about this, talk about that. But when you start living for Jesus, know this. You're going to be hated because he was hated. And you say, well, then why would I come? Well, then don't. If this temporal world is all you have and all you want, well, then God bless you. Go. But that's all you got. I mean, did you hear the psalmist when he says to us, as he said to them, tell your children. Tell them all that he has done. When's the last time you sat down with the upcoming generation and told them all that God has done? Who he is, how miraculous he has moved throughout time and generations to reveal himself to his creation. And that the creation rejects him because they're so desirous of the created. But oh, that you would know your God. That you would praise your God, that you would love your God. And that your generation will have a fresh and a new awakening of how great our God is. Amen. Which I've said before, Either we're singing, how great is our God. See, we can sing it when we're all together, we're all moved. Oh, sing with me, how great. But yet when you leave here and you go through your day and you're around your, your so-called Christian friends and your so-called life, it's how weak is my God. Sing with me, how weak is my God. He can't do nothing for me, how weak, how weak is my God. That's how we live. And then somehow we come into church and we're like, oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Who? We got to get real. We think everyone is saved. Shh. And that's the enemy. Shh. Do you understand? He's not greater than our God. 
But he's a liar. He's a deceiver. Do you realize he was in the presence of God with the other angels? And some of them left with him when they were kicked out. He can talk the word. I mean, even the demons, even these fallen angels, when Jesus showed up at the scene, they shrieked back, is it time? They know it's coming. And you think yoking up with them is a benefit to you. Oh, you got another thing coming, you all. It's warfare. Gratitude. Thankfulness is warfare. And you got to mature to that level or you are going to be devoured. You will be devoured. You and your household will be devoured. Not because God is a bad God. (laughs) No, he's a God that has gotten in front of you time and time and time and time and time and time again saying, here I am. He is pleased to reveal himself to you through his son Jesus that you might be saved and grafted in into a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Oh, when you know your God. Go to Psalm 138. Back to the book of Psalms. I still got time. Psalm 138. A true psalm of gratitude. <laughs> psalm 138. I give you thanks, O Lord, with all my heart. I will sing your praises. Did you see this next part yet? Did you read ahead of me? <laughs> Before the gods. With the little G's. You know those ones that you keep submitting to daily? In your home, in your office? While you're out on the streets, when you're among your family and your friends. Oh no. You're not to be submitting to them. I will give I give thanks, oh Lord, with all my heart, I will sing your praises before the gods. I bow down before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness. For your promises are backed. Come on. By all the honor of your name. As soon as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. Every king and all the earth will thank you, Lord. For all of them will hear your words. Yes, they will sing about the Lord's ways. For the glory of the Lord is very great. Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble. But he keeps his distance from the proud. Though I am surrounded by troubles, you will protect me from the anger of my enemies. You reach out your hand and the power of your right hand saves me. Come on, somebody. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. For you, for your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. 
Oh, that you would know your God. Oh, that this would rise up within you. See, if you don't know him, come to Christ today. Accept Jesus today. <laughs> While it's still today. Because <laughs> we don't promise tomorrow. I don't even promise the next five minutes. You know, some of you know, as I'm kind of the week I've been going through, I've been saying, God, Lord, I know you kept me here. But sometimes, Father, it was just sweet to go. It was just sweet to go, Lord. I mean, when I was in the hospital, and Gilda was there, and I was in that bed, they wheeled me away. They kept pumping me up with all that stuff. They wheeled me away to do a test, and I came back. I'm going I'm going and all of a sudden the life drifted out of me woke Gilda up those nurses and doctors came up in that room it wasn't even a room I pulled back the curtains I guess I was gone I'm not saying I went to heaven so don't be out there I'm not writing a book my one second in heaven. No, I'm not writing a book. I can just tell you. I know my mama's hand was leading me to my heavenly father. The light and the peace. When I've had these incidents before, when, when my life has left my body, when the death rattle has taken place, it's been somewhat kind of cloudy and light, but it's peaceful. But this was, this was different. It's like, oh, I'm gone. Like, I'm gone. But I'm okay. What? And all of a sudden, I told you all this before, all of a sudden there's all this clamoring. I said, what? I look back. And I thought the Lord said in my heart, not yet. Not yet. And all of a sudden, <gasps> Gilda's screaming, the doctors, I saw the paddles coming towards me. I'm like, what's going on? I was so cold. I was so cold. And life was coming back into my body. And they were like, what are you doing? I'm like, what? And Gil was like, leave them alone. Leave them alone. I'm like, oh. And I was so cold. And I was like, wow. That was in 2019, I think. And then 2020 hits. And all this craziness begins to happen. I said, Lord, that's what all that clamoring was. And you think I'm just going to spend the rest of my days with you all, just patting you on your back. Oh, aren't you a nice little Christian? Aren't you a bubble? No, no, we are talking about eternity. I care more for your eternity than your temporalness. You don't want to be here? Go. You want to keep playing games? Go. People are dying. People are entering in an eternal hell. And we're not equipped because we're not, we're not even, we hear that and we kind of get down like, uh-huh. but if you're a Christian, that should awaken you like, God, yes, Lord. That's why I say when you see all this clamoring, when you see all this stuff, it's not time to run and duck and hide. No, it's time to get up. Amen. And that what Christ has purpose for you, your purpose, your plans, for my life to be worked out. 
I keep telling you, you're purposed. You're not a mistake. It doesn't matter what your father, your mother, whatever, whoever did or what, or who's in your life and what's not in your life. You are purposed for God. He loves you. He's formed you. He's fashioned you. You're not a mistake. He knows you. He desires that you would know Him. That you would be free from all of this. That is just fading away. And so when you have the knowledge of God, when you are truly born again, you're just not living a life that you're just existing. Oh no, there's an urgency within you. There's an urgency within you. I laid up there and what do I call that? I see you. Those people are dying left and right on that floor. Those nurses would just come in and hang out with me. So there's just something different about this room. Well, you don't know why you're here. I'm like, I'm in ICU. This is weird. It's a weird time. But I said, Lord, the urgency that you've placed within me. Oh, we can't waste. We can't play no more. We gotta wake up, you all. And I pray it doesn't take you to have to endure something like that to wake you up. Because God right now is revealing Himself to you to wake you up. To say, listen, child of mine, I'm here. I've sent my son, Jesus, to rescue you (coughs) from yourself, from this world system from the enemy and that's why I've said over the past couple weeks about the call of a disciple Jesus says deny yourself pick up the cross and follow me again that cross in the natural sense is a brutal instrument of death I know we like to wear it, and it's fine. There's not, nothing wrong with wearing it or whatever. But don't lose sight of the instrument, of what it was used for in those days. But don't be so fixated on it in the natural. Yet, though, it is an instrument of death, of br- brutal, excruciating pain. Through it comes redemption. And that's the beauty of the cross. And so Jesus says, come. Yet though, in this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've already overcame the world through that which you're carrying. You will die to yourself. You will not live for your passions any longer. You will live mine. Follow me. Follow me, he says. This is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He doesn't mince words. It's going to cost you everything. He doesn't mince words if you look back. You're not fit for my kingdom. He doesn't mince words. He's letting us know the time is now. And I've purposed you for now. As long as you have breath in your body. And if you've been born again, the time is now. Don't delay. 
Don't push them aside because you want to fit in. Don't become so religious that you make it all about works. That will just leave you empty, broken, busted, and disgusted. Because it's all about him. He's accomplished all that he has come to do. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Still got time, Terry. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 16 through 18. Again, scriptures that I hope would encourage you to cultivate a heart of gratitude. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. Hear the word of the Lord. This isn't a suggestion, just so you know. Remember, you should be applying God's truth. It's sustained effort. It's hard work. Because everything outside of you and everything within you doesn't want to hear what you're about to hear or what you have heard. So this isn't a suggestion. Verse 16, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. So that corrects some theology that's out there. It doesn't say be thankful for all circumstances. So don't look like a fool out there when you're going through. Oh, I'm just going, oh, thank you for putting this on me. Thank you for crushing me, Lord. No, no, it's not for all circumstances. It's in while you're going through all circumstances. (laughs) For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Come on. Always be joyful. You don't know my life. What? Come on. You don't know my God. I mean, heck. I told you the week I've had. You know? But Lord, there was one day I had just had to look and I said, I just got to play worship music. I am not going to be silent. Lord, I can't. No, no. The devil is a liar. I was out with my employees. I said, no, all this chaos and stuff has to. No, no. We're just going to turn on some worship and I will sing loud. I'm going to be joyful. Because gratitude and thankfulness is warfare. Stop making excuses. Get up. Get up. Wake up. Wake up, oh sleeper. Get up. From someone who always loved to stay down. Even as a new believer, when I went through those seasons of, of intense anxiety and panic, where I almost couldn't even go outside my house, Get up. Get up. Be joyful. Never stop praying. Listen, remember, sustained effort, hard work. This doesn't come natural to your natural mind and to the natural man, to the natural woman. It's, if you're truly born again, it's of the Spirit. And so what you feed breeds, what you starve dies. You ought not to keep going back to the flesh. There's nothing good there. That's why when you, you know yourself, and you, I've said this over the years, you know yourself better than anyone. So when you see the flesh acting up, pull yourself in front of the mirror. And tell that old woman, 
Tell that old man, sit down. You have been nailed to his cross. It is not I who live any longer, but it's Christ living in and through me. Pout, whine, cry, stamp your feet all you want. You're not getting away. Lest I remind you what Christ has done for you. See, I don't know how you're talking to yourself. That's an ongoing thing. I told you. Sometimes I decide to put myself in the bathroom. Look myself in the eye and say, straighten up, buddy. I know you. I know you're the old. But I need to remind you of the news. I don't know if you're talking. Or if you're just this one of these weird Christians that just show up to church. I went to church. I love Jesus. Post Jesus. Post Jesus. But you don't even know Jesus. You don't even know him. And somehow you've convinced yourself. Somehow you've convinced yourself. I've shut up. And you've made it all about you. And your Christianity has nothing to do with Christ. And that's sad. Sustained effort. Hard work. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Verse 17. Colossians 3. 17. And whatever you do or say... Do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. And whatever you do and say, not when you feel like it, sometimes you just need to bite your tongue. Let the Holy Spirit grab hold of it. You're living for Christ, you all. You're living for Christ. And so you're learning to practice self-control because you have, if you're truly a believer, you have it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, long-suffering, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. You've been born again. Some of us are keep asking God, 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 I just need this. God. And He says, you have it. Just apply it. We just keep asking and we have it. We got to stop asking. We just got to start saying, "Help me." Holy Spirit, teach me. You've given it to me already. So help me to walk it out. I don't have to keep begging you for it. Oh, don't hold it from me, God. No, he's given me everything I need, the Bible says, to live a godly life. To live. Ah, go to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verse 15 through 16, and I'm going to jump to verse 20 and 21. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus, not through anyone else, through Jesus, a continual sacrifice, ongoing, never ceasing, continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming, come on, our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Verse 20. Ah, I love this prayer. <laughs> now may the God of peace who brought you up from the dead, 
our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, whoo, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he, may he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him, all glory to him forever and ever. Amen. Some of us just need to take this prayer, these two little verses, and personalize it through this week. Some of us just need to pray for other people. I mean, do you hear these words? These, this isn't some kumbaya talk. Just go on with nature. No. Do you hear the depths that it goes into your very being and exposes your nature that refuses to worship God? And yet we see all throughout the Bible God's people called to worship. That's why he says, do not worship any other God. <laughs> he won't tolerate your worship of idols. And yet, and yet the created being, we love to worship you all. We're just not in of our old nature. We worship the wrong things. I mean, look at the people of Israel. God delivered them. God showed up. You couldn't deny it. But as soon as Moses goes up to the mountain to speak to God, they got dead, grew tired. Build us a God. And the, calf, the golden calves were erected. And look what they did. They began to worship and have a huge orgy and drunken fest. The people of God. They were no different. Oh, is your heart right with God? Are you a child of God? Have you been saved, delivered, set free, born again? Because Jesus says you cannot enter into his kingdom unless you are born again and born again of the Spirit. And only those who have been born again can understand truly the words in which it just were read. The confidence. It goes back to the confidence. Again, if you're not applying truth, you have no confidence in the one in whom you say you know. And so ultimately, you will have no gratitude. And your praise is worthless. Because you're just going, it's just lip service, as we read earlier. Just lip service. But listen to that. I mean, the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of sheep. Ha! Huh. And I love this. And ratify the eternal covenant with his blood. Come on, you all. I don't know if you talk this way or pray this way. But do you hear this? May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. Because all glory is to go to him forever and ever. Amen. Jesus, Father, Lord. I don't know. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Scriptures to encourage you to cultivate a heart of gratitude. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Oh, I pray that we wake up. Verses 3 through 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 5. We're sharpening our sword today. 
We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use gods. Who? Gods. Mighty weapons. Not worldly weapons. To knock down the stronghold of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. The authority which you have as a believer. Paul in this section is is, is defending his authority as a believer. You You have authority in Christ as a believer. And so we wage war, not as humans. See, this realm here, that's why we've got to stop being so captivated by this realm. I'm sick of it. It's dust, dust, dust. It's all going away. And we've got to stop talking and berating people. They're lost. So instead of using your words even in private or with others about them or even to their face, you got to be mindful what you're speaking. And begin to allow warfare to be done over their lives. And they have the authority. And when, you, when I say this, it's not wielding it in a well, it's not wielding it in, in an aggressive manner. <laughs> but to destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. So take capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. I told you all, I'm giving you examples. There's multiple examples over my Years of walking with Christ. That have I have had opportunities to share the gospel with people who who were so darkened, but everyone's dark, that's apart from Christ. But people that most Christians wouldn't even reach out to. The opportunity to sit with them. To let them speak. Because when you listen, you hear how they're being deceived. Then you'll have that discernment to speak back. And maybe even in that time you don't speak back, but you take inventory like, oh, you done showed yourself enemy. See. So you just listen. Sometimes I don't even call to speak. But months later they ring the phone or they're knocking at my door. Because they've been praying. And then the door opens to teach them about Christ. You see? That's why the Bible says to be as innocent as a dove and wise as a serpent. You want to get aggressive? Get aggressive in warfare. Not in and of yourself. But as the Spirit of God leads you. Because it's not you. And it's not your authority. It's Christ's authority 
in you because of all that Christ has done. That's why I told you, sometimes I've gone into churches and I've worked with their intercessors and their spiritual warfare group and I'm like, y'all are doing witchcraft under the guise of Christianity. (laughs) I mean, you've taken it upon yourself as you, your anointing. It's nothing. As soon as you see that arrogant, prideful spirit, it shuts me down. I go, oh no, I know you. I know what's behind them. Oh no, you're twisting it. I mean, even the disciples, they came back. Even the demons submitted to us. And Jesus was like, hey, hey, wait a minute. First things first. That's not what you celebrate. It's about your name being written down. Keep the first thing first. Don't get caught up. People out there looking for devils everywhere. You don't have to look, they're there. Those little gods are out there everywhere. Don't you worry. You don't have to go and whatever. You just got to walk in the authority of Christ and be mindful and discerning as you're applying truth to your life. And that's why it's important for you to be discipled. That's what's wrong with the church today. People aren't being discipled. And then the people who want to be discipled, they just want to drain you. It's the same thing six years later. Ten years later. Well, dear God Almighty... That's not discipleship. That's you just running amok. Just trying to find some comfort for your sin. I'm tired. No, I want people hungry. People that's ready to put some work into this. Not in and of themselves. But to be the people of God. Doing the will of God for the glory of God. Truly know and understand what it means to have a heart of gratitude. To understand what it means that gratitude and thankfulness is warfare. And that you are to be maturing. So if you're not there, okay, don't, don't, don't beat yourself up. Just get down low. Humble yourself. If you haven't been saved... Receive Christ, be born again, be baptized, and then get discipled. If you're in Christ, you've been baptized, but you haven't been discipled, something's missing. Something is seriously wrong with your Christianity. No one had to tell me when Christ saved me that I needed to know him more. I knew the man I was. I didn't have a problem with him. But what, what's happening to me now? What is this newness? I don't know how to live. Who, how then now shall I live? I had to go seek. The Bible says, when I saw that scripture, seek him, you'll find him if you seek him with all of your heart. I didn't want to change me. None of us do. But if you belong to God, you can't help but change. Because when you see the goodness of God, when you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, ain't nothing behind you going to taste anything better. What? Because I'm satisfied. Prance around and do everything you want. You can never satisfy me. He's the only one that could. He's my God. And for him, and for that, and all he's done, and will continue to do, and for eternity, I will Bless the Lord.
Amen. That's what you settle in your heart, you all. This week of Thanksgiving. Let that be what you settle in your heart. That you are grateful for what Christ has done. He loved us. God loves us. That he gave his one and only son. That whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is the hope that we have as believers. This is the message that we carry. And we serve as Christ served. Some of us just need to take the position of a servant and stop acting like we're the queen or king. If our own Christ, if our own Lord didn't take that position, who are we? We better be very careful when we've come to serve. And whatever that looks like. Love the Lord your God, you all, with all of your heart, Mm. with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your body, with all of your strength, and encourage others to do so. This is the Christian life. Mm. This is the way. I'm going to close us with this last song of worship, and then I'll close us in prayer.